This program is brought to you by Preserve Gold, the number one precious metals IRA provider. Call 855-962-3322. Police have arrested a man in Boston. Now he's charged with spying for China. The 64-year-old is a U.S. citizen. His indictment says he's been sending information on Chinese dissidents to Beijing, despite them living on U.S. soil. Welcome to China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer, a Chinese-American arrested in the U.S. He's accused of spying for the Chinese Communist Party. U.S. authorities apprehended the man in Boston after an indictment from a federal grand jury. The allegation that the man has been briefing Beijing with a list of Chinese dissidents in the U.S. The man is named Liang Tang. The 64-year-old is a U.S. citizen. The indictment says Liang has been acting as Beijing's agent since 2018. Since then, Liang allegedly contacted the Chinese consulate in New York and started sending them information about Chinese individuals and organizations in Boston. Liang also allegedly sent over photos and information on Chinese dissidents in the U.S. Beyond that, officials say he recommended potential recruits to Beijing. Lastly, the indictment alleges during a rally in support of Hong Kong, Liang organized a counter-protest and that he snapped photos of pro-democracy protesters and sent them to Chinese officials. In response, a Hong Kong protester that attended the rally tweeted in response to his arrest, saying that she was relieved, outraged and disappointed at the same time. Liang's hearing is set for Thursday. His indictment comes amid other Justice Department efforts to quell Chinese influence on U.S. soil. U.S. law enforcement arrested two men in lower Manhattan last month. The Justice Department alleged the two men opened and operated a Chinese police station in the heart of New York City. That's at the order of Chinese authorities. The order allegedly came from a local branch of China's Ministry of Public Security, a government body in charge of China's law enforcement. The two defendants both live in New York. Harry Lu Wang lives in the Bronx, while Chen Jinping is based in Manhattan. Audit fraud accusations. That's what several Chinese giants listed in the U.S. are contending with. It started when the U.S. accounting watchdog found issues in their audits. Those deficiencies reportedly totaling 100 percent. And that flaw has so far prevented these Chinese companies from getting kicked off U.S. stock exchanges. NTD's Sam Wong has more. One of the world's big four accounting firms, KPMG, and several of his Chinese clients have come under scrutiny. U.S. watchdog, the Public Company Accounting Oversight Board, obtained access to audit records from the Chinese firms for the first time last year, following more than a decade of negotiations with Chinese authorities. The agency said it inspected eight audits, though it did not disclose the list of companies. But Alibaba Group Holding and Yum China Holdings were reportedly among them. The deficiencies may raise concerns among investors over the accuracy of financial statements from U.S.-listed Chinese companies. In response, China's regulator is now saying it's willing to cooperate with its U.S. counterpart on audit deals. Sam Wong, NTD News, New York. Chinese buyers were expected to jumpstart demand in full force after the lifting of the country's COVID-19 curbs, but it didn't happen. And to make things worse, export growth also took up a slow pace. Here's a closer look at the latest numbers. 
China's latest trade numbers are casting a shadow over growth hopes at home and abroad. Imports unexpectedly fell almost 8% in April. That was far worse than economists expected and extended a fall seen the month before. Exports grew 8.5%, or little more than half the surge recorded in March. The weak numbers come despite the lifting of health crisis restrictions. And they will raise concern worldwide, as the import numbers mean the global economy may not be able to rely on China to drive demand. That's already showing up in other numbers, such as a drop of more than a quarter in South Korea's shipments to the country. The cooling export numbers also suggest tepid demand for Chinese products overseas. Beijing officials have repeatedly warned of a severe and complicated external environment amid recession risks for many key trading partners. Analysts say rising rates and the recent banking turmoil are among factors limiting demand in Western markets. Now China watchers wonder whether Beijing will step in with new stimulus measures. An insider view from someone who experienced China's strict pandemic lockout policy firsthand. A Chinese entrepreneur tells us how China's economic recovery is faring, with three years of pandemic control behind it. Here's more. From tourism, trading and catering to real estate and rubber product exports, Mangjun's business footprint spanned southern China with an annual turnover of tens of millions of dollars. But it all came to a halt when the pandemic lockdown took over the country. I came to the United States last year. Since July 2021, basically there has been no work available for my employees. Meng started laying off staff and clearing out goods at half price. But no one was buying because the consumers were facing the same plight. I know some companies in our industrial zone were more burdened with debt than I was. Some owners suffered from depression and even committed suicide. Things didn't turn around when the zero COVID-19 policy ended. Mang said a friend of his owned a plant making decorative materials. Before the pandemic, the friend heeded the regime's call to scale up production capacity. Now the real estate slump is taking a major toll on his business. Policies like lower interest rates or purchase incentives are all lies. My friend's products are still piling up. Real estate hasn't recovered at all, as the Chinese Communist Party claims it has. The factories aren't even operating at 10% of what they used to be. Another friend of Meng's ran a wholesale clothing business. During the pandemic, unsold stockpiles and rent payments cost him his entire savings. Since the lockdown lifted, my friend said his business hasn't even regained 20% of its previous revenue, not even 20%. How's the economy likely to recover like this? Meng said Chinese consumers aren't opening their wallets due to fears like uncertainty and looming unemployment. Everyone feels insecure in this situation. No one trusts the Communist Party anymore. The party just acts on its own whims and doesn't keep its word. Official data shows a drop in China's manufacturing activity in April, with the property sector still floundering and exports fading. The jobless rate is soaring among young people in China. In urban cities, one in five young people are out of work, and it's even worse in rural areas. China is feeling the effects of its historic population decline last year. Sales of baby and children's products are shrinking across the board. For manufacturers, the race is on to develop new revenue streams. Let's take a closer look. 
pushchairs, onesies and cuddly toys. Items in the baby aisle are facing declining sales in China as more people in the country forgo having children. China's population drop is forcing companies that make things for babies or children to diversify or seek buyers overseas. Yang Zhang is one of them. She's the founder and CEO of children's clothing company Nachna Kids, which is now making more clothes for grown-ups. We have a lot of parent-child outfits. For example, a piece of clothing which I would previously only have made for children, I will now ask my tailor to make an adult version. Right now, the sales volume of adult clothing is actually pretty large. This is how we're currently preparing for the declining birth rate. We have considered making pets' clothing as well, but our team is relatively small. Last year, China's population fell for the first time in six decades. And in April, India officially became the world's most populous country. The knock-on effects have been swift. China's market for baby food and diapers is the world's largest, but it's expected to contract this year for the first time since Euromonitor began keeping data in 2012. The research firm estimates that the market will shrink by 2% to 37.2%. Billion dollars by 2025. Baby companies are going to face declining margins. Sean Rain is the managing director of China Market Research Group. For years, China has been the major growth driver for the world's largest baby care companies, whether it be infant formula or diapers or children's toys. What's happening is a lot of these multinational brands are starting to focus on India because India is still continuing to grow and has eclipsed China as the world's largest country in terms of population. Birth rate declines are not expected to end anytime soon, with analysts noting young Chinese adults are not keen to have more than one or even any kids due to the sky-high costs of child-rearing. Is China a threat? The world's biggest military alliance says no. The North Atlantic Treaty Organization, or NATO, is led by the United States. NATO sees China not as a threat, but as a challenge. Admiral Rob Bauer, the chair of NATO's military committee, commented on Wednesday, saying the organization is more focused on Russia than China. And the difference is when we talk about these uh, military plans is that NATO is not working on military plans against China. We are working on military plans against Russia and the terrorist groups. That's where the plans are focusing on. NATO is now in talks with Japan about setting up a liaison office in Tokyo to counter North Korea and China. Despite NATO's stance, is China really a threat? Taiwan's top official seems to have a different answer. Taiwanese President Tsai Ing-wen inspected a training for Army Reserves on Thursday and had this to say. Taiwan is at the forefront of the defense of global democracy. Our principle is mobilize on the spot, fight on the spot, so that everyone who participates in the call can have the ability to protect their homeland. Tsai also noted the island's people have the determination to protect Taiwan, regardless of gender. A female reservist told journalists why she attended the exercise. As long as it is a matter of the country, it is everyone's responsibility. So I am here to participate in this training.
In order to prepare for potential war, the training is being held in strategic locations. That's so reservists get a better grasp of the terrain and key infrastructure in the area they're tasked with defending. Australia's trade minister is in Beijing, and trade between the two world powers is up for discussion. Minister Don Farrell arrived Thursday to meet with his Chinese counterpart, both countries seeking to stabilize diplomatic relations. There's no reason why we can't progress our national security and our national interest, but also continue our trading relationship, build on that almost $300 billion worth of trade, and stabilize our relationship with, uh, with China. The same day, a Chinese foreign ministry spokesperson said China is willing to work with Australia to deepen cooperation and settle differences. Canberra especially hopes to push for the removal of trade curbs Beijing imposed in 2020. They penalize Australian wine, beef, barley, coal, seafood and timber exports to China. The restrictions were largely seen as a form of retaliation after Australia called for an international inquiry into the origins of COVID-19. Australian journalist Cheng Lei was also detained in Beijing on national security charges around the same time. Farrell said he was hopeful that with some goodwill, reconciliation would be possible. Adding more still needs to be done. Trade relations do appear to be thawing. Australian exports to China soared to record heights in March, hitting $19 billion for the month. That's 26% higher than February and 31% more than March 2022. The month's tally is the highest on record. Copper and iron ore made up much of those exports, with Australian customs data showing roughly $40 million in copper trade alone early this year. China is Australia's largest trading partner. Coming up, is the West helping the Chinese Communist Party grow? And how can the regime be held responsible for crimes it's committed against people in China, the U.S., and the world? The Chinese Communist Party, as we put forth in this book, is a transnational criminal organization, and they should be designated by Congress as such. At that point in time, real, you know, charges can be brought against the Chinese Communist Party, and the world can begin to hold them to account for their crimes. Didi Logason, co-author of The Indictment, breaks it down. More on that after the break, here on China In Focus. Welcome back to China In Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. If the Chinese Communist Party has committed crimes against its own people, plus those in the U.S. and around the world, how can it be held responsible? Didi Lagasin, co-author of The Indictment, lays out ways to do just that and explains how the CCP is getting help through elite capture in the West. Didi is also the executive secretary of the Committee on the Present Danger China. Didi Lagasin, thank you so much for joining us. Great to have you on the show. Thanks, Tiffany. It's so good to be here. And you actually are a co-author of a book called The Indictment that's coming out. And it seems normally when people hear the word indictment, maybe they think of former President Trump. He was making headlines with that. Who exactly is being indicted in this book? The indictment offers up nine charges against the Chinese Communist Party for its crimes against, uh, against the people of China, 
those crimes against humanity, but also crimes against America and the world. So the Chinese Communist Party has been at war with America for several decades now uh, um, in a non-kinetic way. This is called unrestricted warfare, and that's what we're doing with the, um, with the nine charges here. They lay out both the crimes of the uh, CCP, but also those who are helping to enable these crimes here in America and elsewhere. And Didi, on the note of the crimes against humanity, give us some examples of these. It sounds like, uh, sounds terrible, but also maybe a little too broad. So give us some concrete examples. Crimes against humanity, the, it, the Chinese Communist Party is responsible for the deaths of over 100 million of their own people. And we know that some 400 to 500 mil, million babies in the womb have also been killed by the Chinese Communist Party's policies uh, regarding um, children and how many you can have. They've changed those policies through the years, but those are crimes against its own people. We have the genocide of the Uyghurs. We have the Falun Gong who have been mercilessly persecuted and Christians and others of faith cannot um, freely practice their faith or transmit that to their children. And Didi, you also mentioned how it's not just their own people, the Chinese people, but also outside factors helping. How much influence does the Chinese Communist Party have in the U.S.? Maybe what sectors are we seeing that kind of influence playing out in? Well, as I said, the Chinese Communist Party has been um, exacting unrestricted warfare against the United States for decades. Part of that, and probably one of the biggest elements in which they are winning, is elite capture. The Chinese, uh, with their um, United Front Ministry, have been uh, working behind the scenes to uh, gain influence, either through uh, 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 payments to local politicians or trips to China, all kinds of things that uh, the Chinese Communist Party does to entice uh, local leaders all the way up to, as we're now seeing with President Biden, potentially the, um, you know, the capture of the top levels of uh, administrators in the United States. We have uh, President Biden who's um, with his son, Hunter, and the Oversight Committee at the U.S. House right now investigating the money transfers from the CCP to Biden uh, companies, shell companies. We also have um, the top levels, the national security advisor and the head of the CIA all have very questionable ties to China. And Didi, with this elite capture, it sounds like that's impacting, say, the policies that are being implemented, maybe even the very way of Americans' life. What you mentioned earlier, also prosecuting the Chinese regime over this. How would that work? Well, it's um, very concerning that even this week, the Biden administration has made clear that they see China as the uh, strategic competitor to the United States. Competitor, competition, these are not the words. The CCP is the greatest existential threat America has ever faced, even greater than that of the Soviet Union during the high point of the Cold War. Uh, you know, we stood up the um, Committee on the Present Danger China uh, modeled after a Reagan-esque effort in the 1970s called the Committee on the Present Danger to address the dangers from the Soviet Union. 
Reagan was a member of that committee, and he received a mandate from the American people to, uh, you know, go go win the war against Russia or Soviet Union. We are now in that same um, threat set, uh, section where the um, the Chinese Communist Party represents our greatest enemy. They are at war with us, and the United States is behind the curve in recognizing how far advanced this war truly is. It hasn't gone kinetic yet, but China's very eager to do that and is building up towards it. It does sound like that indeed. And Didi, you mentioned too with, say, these crimes against humanity, with, with holding the Chinese Communist Party accountable, how do we differentiate between the Chinese Communist Party and the Chinese people? So the Chinese Communist Party, as we put forth in this book, is a transnational criminal organization, and they should be designated by Congress as such. At that point in time, real, you know, charges can be brought against the Chinese Communist Party, and the world can begin to hold them to account for their crimes. So that's we, you know, the if we if we recognize the crimes that they have committed, not only against their own people, but against the people of the United States, uh, with their bioweapons, COVID-19, the leak from the lab, um, hiding all of, all of that uh, information from investigators, um, stalling and delaying our ability to um, combat the pandemic, uh, and, and its influence operations in the uh, national, international organizations, such as the UN, uh, adopting the China model, we need to um, investigate those who have been uh, collaborating with the Chinese, both in the financial markets, financial sector, uh, BlackRock and and uh, venture capital and State Street and Dalio and all of the uh, all of those uh, players in in finances that are are um, taking American money from their pension plans and investing them into. Uh, fraudulent Chinese companies. And right now, even this week, we're hearing about um, cells of Chinese men of military age who are traveling together in groups. They seem to be carrying the same packs and they are coming up over the border. We don't know where they're coming from. They do seem to have um, good communications. There's, there's, they're traveling in groups, almost like companies coming over. So that fifth column that's coming into the United States it's incredibly concerning to me as an ordinary citizen of the United States. And Didi, you mentioned awareness. So for concerned citizens listening to this who want to know more, maybe get their own copy of the indictment, where should they go? So if they want to get a copy of the indictment prosecuting the Communist um, Party and friends for their crimes against America, China, and the world, they can go to the indictmentbook.com, the indictmentbook. Com, and you can find it on Amazon. It launched on Tuesday as a number one bestseller in national and international security, globalism, politics, and international relations. D.D. Lagason, thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Tiffany. That's all for today's China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. If you have any feedback on the show or have something you'd like to see us cover, send us an email at chinainfocus at ntd.com. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for watching. See you tomorrow.